Time to abandon ship. Oh no! Here we go. Can I persuade you to join us for a drink? It's a tradition. Here, here. Jaja, call me. My main man, quickly. Before the Separatists attack, get into the escape pod. This is escape. Then we're the pod. Jesus, Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod. I'm your host, Josh, and uh, today it's just going to be us chatting about J.J. Uh, Abrams on the making of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. It's an interview he did with uh, Popcorn at ABC News, and uh, I thought there was some very enlightening things in that interview that uh, was worthy to chat about, uh, something I didn't need to chat about with a co-host uh, this week. Um, it's a bit of a special episode here. And uh, yeah, some great comments that uh, he had to make about his latest film, Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. So uh, as aside from that, uh, there is an additional piece of news that I found where uh, the Rolling Stone uh, took Chris Terrio and uh, chatted with him about uh, his job on the latest film in, uh, in the writer's chair because he actually helped J.J. Uh, Abrams write this film. And I feel like any news on Chris Terrio has gone uh, very under the radar and he's a you know he's an interesting guy uh, Chris Terrio he's he's um, had credits through various films and uh, some of his credits include uh, I believe it was Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice and uh, a few others and um, Argo JJ uh, Abrams brought him on uh, for uh, uh, the rise of Skywalker, due to his uh, amazing work on on Argo, JJ was a huge fan, huge fan of that, and uh, thought that Chris was perfect for the job. Uh, Chris has also worked on Justice League as a writer for that and Part Two, which uh, never ended up getting uh, made. But um, yeah, no, he's he's a he's a talented writer, and you know I'm not the biggest DC Universe fan when it comes to the newer films. Uh, I love Smallville and I love uh, Superman Returns. And, uh, you know, I didn't think the Green Lantern movie was actually that bad. But, you know, that's just me. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Chris Terry has got some big names under his belt. And, uh, you know, J.J. Abrams uh, took him on for the job. So uh, any news uh, coming out of his mouth has been uh, very much you know, flying under the radar it hasn't been covered as much. A lot of people have been watching the interviews with Daisy Ridley and John Boyega and such and such and big news about the missing script and, and whatnot, if you've been following all that. But uh, yeah, no, it's getting closer to the film. And, you know, we're on the 11th hour and J.J. Abrams and Chris Terrio are coming out saying a few things which are worthy to chat about. And uh, I wanted to commentate on some of this stuff. So, uh, you know, without further ado, let's 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 play this interview that I found online. Uh, if you have not seen it already, you can listen to it right here. I'll be I'll be playing it on the show and then uh, pausing it at certain moments just to commentate. So let me hit the play button for you.
Hi everybody, it's Peter Travers at Popcorn where we tell you what's happening at the movies and as far as I'm concerned, there is no other movie now except for Star Wars, <laughs> The Rise of Sky. Is there another I movie? I don't, I, there probably are other movies. There uh, are, but no, you don't know of any. Come on. This is my guest, J.J. Abrams, who has directed Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Yes, sir. This has to be the most pressure that's ever been placed upon your head. This is not only the last of yeah. the recent trilogy, but the end of the nine movie cycle. Yeah. Do you know what those guys that are behind Game of Thrones had to suffer for? <laughs> Where everybody <laughs> said, you can't end it that way. I know. Well, you, you know you, you're not going to please everyone. Well, that's just a given. That is a given. But the people that watch yeah. a Star Wars movie, mm -hmm. I don't know, they're, they're an army. <laughs> they can they march are. on you, JJ. Yeah, but you, you can't you can't look at fans of, of, of Star Wars uh, as an adversary. You have to <laughs> sort of, uh, you know, they're passionate and and certainly uh, can be contentious. But um, the fact that they care, you know, I, I feel like I, as a Star Wars fan, understand that that love for the series. So you know, I, I feel I feel blessed to be involved in something that matter so much to so many people. Well, I think uh, what JJ is is saying is very close to what we've heard Ryan Johnson say uh, after he got so much feedback for The Last Jedi. And, uh, you know, it, I don't I, it's tough to say if this is actually the way they feel or if it's um, something uh, maybe that's been told to them to say uh, as they represent the company, uh, Lucasfilm and Disney, of course. So yeah, no, it's 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 a tough it's a tough question to answer when they're talking about Star Wars fans, especially uh, in recent history, uh, with uh, so many people being very outspoken towards their dislike for what Disney's been doing with Star Wars and such. So yeah, it's a it's a sensitive topic for for JJ to answer. Uh, any questions about here? It does yeah. did it always matter to you? What were you it, what, ten or eleven? Yeah, it was ten. New Hope. Look at that. Yeah, it was ten. I, I, and it was it it was obviously uh, mind expanding and. Um, Immediately, something that just you you knew that things had changed. You know, when, when that movie. How did you feel when you first saw it? I I did. I thought it was a game changer. Yeah. But I was too into it. You know, it was like one of those things where if you're watching a movie and you're going to write about it or yeah. do something, you take notes. Mm. But when a movie's really working, you don't take the notes. You go see it another time if I you want to write about it. It's just it's basically, whoa, what is this? Yes. Yes. Well, it, 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 it had such an impact, obviously, you know, uh, on audiences, uh, on filmmakers, and, 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 you know, not just the, the, the technology of it, but, but you know, the, the, the sort of world-expanding nature of it, the, the sense of opportunity and possibility. Mm -hmm. And it's this thing that, that for me, you know, as a, as a filmmaker, I, I, you know, I, I felt very lucky to get to be involved in it. Um, on this one, I kind of went into it with a different point of view, having done one already. It, it was such a challenge. The ambition of it was so enormous, not just because it was another Star Wars movie, but because it was the, the end of not three movies, but nine. Nine. And that was really the thing that I thought, you know, this makes me really uncomfortable. You know? <laughs> and, and, and so that was sort of the, the, the reason to do it in a way, was to sort of finish what, what we had started with the, this, this trilogy. But to take this on in a way that, you know, it's, endings are not, do not come easily. 
It's uh, it brings me back. What are you, what are you saying here? It brings me back to the interview that JJ gave when he did the Force Awakens, and the overwhelming thought of taking on the task of making a Star Wars movie. And Kathleen Kennedy said that the only reason why he or one of the one of the reasons that convinced him to do it was to answer the question that she posed is who is Luke Skywalker? And part of the reason why I, I you know, because I, I watched that interview long before I, I saw The Force Awakens. And part of the reason why I felt so empty after I walked out of The Force Awakens was because JJ failed to answer that question. And I think in the in the rewrites, I think their entire direction changed, you know, like uh, I I'm trying to remember whether or not this interview came out when they were going off of George Lucas's uh, outline for the sequels or not. But uh, when, you know, when JJ came in and uh, when things turned around, you know, the entire purpose of him coming on to direct this movie, which was supposed to answer the question of who is Luke Skywalker, uh, you know, ended up getting flushed down the toilet. So it, it really it really is uh, something that resonates uh in similarity uh with with what he's saying here about uh you know the the task of creating a a film to end all films and uh, you know how that was reason to do it it makes me wonder if uh, whether or not we're going to walk out of that movie feeling like it was a conclusion or not um based on the fact that you know he has had interviews before uh set out to fulfill a certain thing and ended up not fulfilling it at all so uh you know Will this be a, a real conclusion uh, that feels like a conclusion or will it just be a movie that very, you know, very much concludes a trilogy and and less so concludes uh, what we know as the Skywalker saga? So, uh, you know, we'll we'll have to find that out later this week when we all go see the film. Do you stay away from it while you're actually shooting a movie? Stay away from what? Stay away from the Internet. Stay away oh. from what people because they're always saying. Well, how can he do that? We heard Here's that how this I feel. is happening. Every time I read something mm-hmm. where someone is, uh, is you know, unsupportive, mm-hmm. which is a kind way of saying <laughs> brutal, uh, I kind of go, oh, you know, like, like they've got a point. Mm-hmm. And whenever I read someone saying, oh, he's the greatest, and he, you know, I'm like, I, they don't know what they're talking about. Like, like, I always feel like I, I sympathize with the people who who have the sort of more negative things to say. So it's not, it, it's not a pleasant thing to ever read something that's, that's negative, but I also feel like, you know, spirited debate is not a bad thing. And, and in, certainly you can find some of that online. We all have questions. You're not gonna answer any of them right now. But right this minute? The fact, yeah, but the fact is- Not with the cameras on. Not with the yeah. cameras on. But when you look at, yeah. um, I see this coming and it's the end and mm. I say, Daisy Ridley is playing Ray, and I don't know who her parents are. Am I going to find out? Mm. Is this movie going to reveal certain things that I need to know? Because mm. who's your daddy is like a major question <laughs> through all nine. Oh, I thought you were just talking Stop. to me. Yeah, well, oh. yeah, you too. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, well, here's what I would say, that, that this movie, as, as a, an, an ending, n- needed to have answers, like mm-hmm. must have answers. You, you know, it, it, it Do does- you answer all the questions we have? <laughs> J.J. Abrams. I didn't, I didn't get the list in advance. Going to, oh, too uh, bad. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All of the answers. Yeah. Um, no, I think that we, we've we've uh, we knew going in that we had to make this feel conclusive. It had mm-hmm. to be. It had to come to an end. And and yet, you know, 
there are certain things that I feel, here's the way I feel about Star Wars. Good, this and is gonna and, be the thing. And then. it's the reason that I loved the original trilogy so much. And, and the reason I loved the original trilogy more than the prequel trilogy mm -hmm. for me, mm -hmm. which was that the original trilogy posed great questions and allowed you to uh, you know, in, in, infer the answer. It, it allowed you to do the math on your own. And, and the prequel trilogy, which you know, I love for a lot of reasons, but, but, but it's not as much my favorite as mm -hmm. the original, is that it answered a lot of questions. Now, I'm not someone who needs to know about midichlorians. I don't need to understand. So the, I don't the, the, the understand the midichlorians. Well, but, but, but I'm just saying that like, that's not, mm -hmm. doesn't feel like it's a, a thing for me. Mm -hmm. um, that's not to say, however, in this movie, we didn't adhere to the eight films that preceded us and, and, and tell an ending that embraces all of it. I didn't go against that stuff because I don't, you know, mm -hmm. didn't like it as much. But my point is that there's something about answers. You need answers. But I don't think demystifying everything is necessarily the, the key to a successful story. I mean, I'm sure some of your favorite films allow some things to be imagination, yes? Ambiguous. JJ has always been very clear that the original trilogy is uh, what inspired him. And, uh, you know, in all rightness, I mean, he is a part of the generation of fans who grew up with those films and the reason why they became a Star Wars fan. And, and it's probably a, a large reason of, of uh, you know, what he does today. So, yeah, you know, it's it's in all positivity that that he is a, a fan of Star Wars, whether it's a, you know, a prequel or original trilogy or whatever. Um, yeah, he's that that talk though about about mini chlorians um he's brought it up before when when he, he he was in a previous interview and he talked about his meeting with george lucas and chris terrio before he started writing the film and george did talk about mini chlorians he brought them up and and jj did does say uh you know george loves his mini chlorians and uh <laughs> you know i don't think we'll get a mention of them in the film but you know, in all fairness, uh, they are part of the Star Wars canon. The prequels are part of the Star Wars canon, and the prequels came out of George's head just like the original trilogy did. And uh, I think, you know, as far as three films go, a lot of a lot of fans in uh, his generation, let's say JJ's generation of fandom, they've been displeased with the prequels because uh, they they you know they claim that uh, they demystify. Uh, a lot of a lot of what happened uh, and what was talked about in the original trilogy, and you know, it's not to. For me, growing up, I mean, I I I came in to fan, the fandom at a time where we didn't have episodes two and three. Episode one had just been released in theaters, and um, you know, there was a, a large part of the story that was missing still. But I never, growing up, I never thought that the magic was gone. Uh, I'm always been one to soak up answers. You know, anything that Star Wars has come out with, I've just been soaking it up like a sponge. You know, and I, I've never, I've never been able to relate to the fans that have ever felt like the midi chlorians have demystified the Force. Because uh, yes, there is a lot of science to them, but but no, it doesn't change how the Force works. And when Finn says to Han Solo in The Force Awakens. Uh, we'll use the force and he gets all excited about it and then and then han solo basically looks at him all baffled you know this guy that basically doubted the force's existence uh three episodes earlier and he looks at finn and goes that's not how the force works there's there's a, a clear understanding 
in Star Wars with people who know how the Force works, they're very aware of the fact that they can't use it. It's not a superpower. It is, it is, uh, it is able to connect with Force users like uh, Rey and Luke and Anakin and Yoda, uh, Jedi and and Sith alike. It's 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 not a superpower. What it is though is is it is this you know this entity this uh, this force that that binds the galaxy together. It's it's exactly what Yoda and Luke described in episodes five and eight. Nothing has changed. Uh, the midi chlorians don't change that either. Uh, what midi chlorians are, and, and it's it's a very they have a very good purpose. Uh, they are to explain why not everyone in the galaxy is running around using the force. Uh, they're there to explain that not everyone in the galaxy is able to learn this superpower, you know, and uh, I think there's a very good reason for that. Like, I think there's a very good reason at the time of Luke Skywalker's existence that that he is one of the few people that it does come naturally to. And and it's because there is this biological connection with their body and this this force this all-powerful force field that surrounds everything you know the the very limited people that can feel it there are the ones who are able to use it uh practically you know with with the abilities that it gives them uh and uh things like premonitions and and such and you know force push and whatever else uh force lightning i don't i don't expect to see han solo learning Sith lightning anytime soon. You know, midi-chlorians are a backburner subconscious reason for the force to exist in the very few that uh, the gift has been given to. And I think that goes higher up uh, with the wills of the force as well and and how the wills are behind everything. And this is exactly what George's version of the sequels would have been about. And we would have had answers, right? But uh, we didn't get that version of the sequels. So, um, you know, for, for us to get that incomplete story of what the midi-chlorians are there for, I think uh, there's still a lot of uh, negativity towards them. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I am actually all for midi-chlorians. I think, uh, I think it's a great reason to have, it's kind of like the X-Gene in X-Men. It's like, even though it's a comic book world and a fictional universe, like, so is Star Wars. It's a fictional universe. It's a fictional story. But in that universe, there is, there is a, a, a fictional sense of law and, uh, physics that we just buy into similar to how there is noise in space in star wars and you know almost every single planet is habitable uh it seems a little out there but i mean it's a fictional story it's it's a space fantasy and you know this is just another one of those things that goes along with that is is to just make that universe believable and i don't think it takes any mystery away from what the force can do I mean, even with the Last Jedi, we had this new this new force ability that Luke force projected himself, and uh, there there's references to that in the expanded universe. Of course, if you read a lot of the older books and comics, it's there. But um, it, it's something we're always we're always being taken aback by how great and powerful the force is uh, in a presence of these films. And it's not to say that it doesn't affect other people at all. No, no way. I mean, the, the midi chlorians exist in everybody. Uh, that's that Qui-Gon, even Qui-Gon says, like life could not exist without it. And so who's to say that Han Solo makes his own luck? Who's to say that it's not the force that's just protecting him and guiding him because the wills know that he plays a very pivotal, important role later on. Uh, 
I am on the side of the fence that believes that uh, the Wills are behind a lot more than uh, what most fans give them credit for. And I think midi-chlorians play a big part in that. Um, so, yeah, I did talk about this on the seven most debatable topics episode that we had a while back. But uh, let's get in uh, on uh, with the interview. Don't you think? There's it's like nothing wrong key. with a little ambiguity. That's what I think. Because that's what you take home with you. That's and it. you talk to your friends that's about exactly it. That's exactly it. <laughs> and you that's say, it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to argue. Maybe right. I'm right. Maybe you think you're that's right, it. but you're wrong. That's it. And you have, you call it spirited. Sometimes it's ugly. Sometimes sure. people just say, how could you be so stupid? Right. That isn't true. This Online? Isn't what never. Happened. No, no, no. No, no. They They're never so do that. They're so kind. They're so kind. They're just nice. Yeah. They're nice yeah, people. That's never true. No, but I feel like that. Interpret, interpretability uh, on certain subjects is like the, the reason that we, one of the reasons that we still talk about 2001. It's mm-hmm. like, it, that was not a, a clear cut ending. No. And the reason that it's so fascinating. You could see it a dozen that's times. That's it, but, yeah. but it, we have this conversation because not everything was given to us. Having said that, we knew that this is, you know, it's a film for families. This is, this is not a, meant to be something that people are supposed to leave feeling like they didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet we wanted to make sure that people felt like not everything was demystified. And it isn't. But what we have when you take this to a conclusion, you know, yes. what we have in the original universe, which you basically handled in The Force Awakens, mm-hmm. is we've lost almost everybody mm-hmm. except Princess Leia, who we did lose in terms of Carrie yes, Fisher. that's right. So you've used some footage that existed before to yeah have it, it was it was crazy when we began the process and realized that we couldn't didn't want to tell the story without leia uh she's so critical to the the story that we, we knew we wouldn't recast her obviously we knew that we didn't want to do a digital mm-hmm. carrie fisher because uh we know carrie would have been upset with that well she would uh, have had some things to say she would have <laughs> and then it, we realized that we did have some things that she said uh, we had filmed these scenes we didn't use for Force Awakens, which at the time was a nightmare because I thought, oh my God, how do we cut anything with Carrie? I hated it. There were a couple things that, you know, she was upset we'd cut, you know. That, and suddenly I realized we have this footage. So if you've been living under a rock, um, sadly, Carrie Fisher died uh, at the end of the year in 2016 in uh, December. And it was uh, a very, uh, it was heartbreaking news for a lot of a lot of fans who were fans of Carrie Fisher and uh, the character Princess Leia. And around all that uh, sadness, uh, there was a question that had yet to be answered, which was how they were going to wrap up this sequel trilogy without her because she plays such a pivotal uh, pivotal character. She's a, she's a, a guidance character for people like Poe Dameron. And at the end of The Last Jedi, it's very clear that she's going to be somewhat of a mother figure to Rey as well. So yeah, this is this is uh, JJ and uh, how they uh, are coming out with a solution. Uh, he talks about the solution that kind of presented itself when they figured out they had these unused footage from episode seven still lying around in the archives. That we can use and repurpose and and have her not be digital, have her be, you know, in emotional and funny and, and you know, scenes that are, are, are Leia. And so we wrote entire scenes around the pieces that we had. And it's uncanny. We don't have Han Solo anymore. <laughs> right. We don't have Luke's. And yet the movie is called The Rise of Skywalker. Yes. 
which suggests a kind of new hope in it. Mm. But going in, I don't understand why. Right. You know, how could this be? You'll understand when you see it. Okay. You see, that's yeah, the yeah, answer. Yeah. I will. Or maybe I won't, yeah. but I'll just come after. What if, it that, what if the movie has nothing to do with that? And you're like, <laughs> what are they the talking this? about? There's no Skywalker. Oh my God, it'd be infuriating. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> what is this? Yeah. But I really would like you to talk a little bit about Daisy Ridley sure. playing Ray mm -hmm. and having a woman at the center of this yes. because it's it's not like Princess Leia wasn't at the center of it and like she didn't have an arc that was happening but we kind of go away from it it's mm. the guys dueling with mm. lightsabers that we remember yes and she does all of that yeah, well first of all uh, we lucked out in the biggest way casting Daisy uh, in in Force Awakens and she as much as I knew this was gonna be a challenge for me I knew it was gonna be a huge challenge for her and I never doubted that she, you know, w would be able to pull this off. But she's gone so far beyond what I thought even she could do in this. Um, not just physically and, you know, doing some extraordinary stuff that way, but, but emotionally. I mean, it is a, it is a very, uh, it's, a, it's a big, rousing, fun adventure. But there's, there's sort of the story you make and you, you sell and you know you're going to mm -hmm. do. And then there's a sort of the secret story that you're telling that really interests you. And there's this story uh, that she, you know, her arc, what she goes through, um, that really tested her. And, and there are things that she does in this film that I think are just uh, truly remarkable. Like she, her performance in this movie is so good. She's so, uh, her, uh, she's so open. She's so complex. She's much more mature. Like I didn't think when we were doing Force Awakens, oh, she's like a baby, but now I do. Mm -hmm. I look back at some of that stuff, I'm like, oh my God. She was nearly unformed, as good as she was. She was just, she's matured and, and sort of arrived in a way mm -hmm. in this movie. Uh, you know, Adam Driver's extraordinary, mm -hmm. Oscar Isaac, John Boyega, they're all great. But Daisy just blows me away. Well, you bring up Adam Driver and Kylo Ren. Talk about family and who's your daddy. His parents mm. are, are heroes. Yes. You know, Han Solo and yes. Princess Leia. And yet his spiritual father is Vader. That's it. No, I've always been uh, looking for it. Daisy, Daisy Ridley is a fantastic actress. And, you know, aside from my opinions and thoughts about the direction of the sequel trilogy and, and stuff, uh, I think the the scripts and the acting has just been phenomenal. And uh, Daisy Ridley really does a great job at playing uh, such an awesome character and awesome protagonist. And uh, I, I do wish that uh, we got a little more of her in The Last Jedi. Uh, I think uh, it was a great movie for the advance of Kylo Ren's character as, uh, as Ben Solo. And um, I got to connect with him a lot more. It's something I, I didn't, I wasn't able to on the, the Force Awakens. So that's something I'm looking forward to seeing uh, advance, further advance in this film. Yes. So talk about his grandfather. No, I, well, I think that, that it's a uh... Look, the, the the Skywalker saga is and has always been a, a family story, and yeah, the, but a really dysfunctional family. Yeah, but <laughs> a, a family story. Family I story. mean, seriously, yeah, that's you know. just the way. Uh, it is. Yeah, um, but no, but 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 I, I do think that the, the the that that complexity you talk about, that thing, the, the the question of if if the son of Han and Leia can be turned to the dark side, can't any of us? You know, what is it to be uh, the 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 that's kid of these? these heroes, um, and we've all seen people who are children of certain people that go, go dark. Um, you know, the, the idea of, of being drawn to, uh, attracted to this power, this purpose, that you, know, you could never be the thing your parents were, 
you know, what should I be, you know, going, turning against them, mm -hmm. you know, I think there's more of that in the real world than we might think or, or might, you know, might even uh, be, be aware of, but I, I, I think Oh, I think we're all aware of it, that's why well, therapy is so popular. That's it, but <laughs> that's true. But I, but I feel like the story for Ray, you know, her connection with Kylo Ren, you know, that is really at the, at, at the, the heart of the emotional story in, the, in this movie. And the things you're talking about are very much the things that the movie talks about. Yeah, so um, Ben Solo uh, and his relationship with Anakin Skywalker's past um, life as, as Darth Vader, who's all, you know, dead and gone now, uh, it really resonates uh, with his character. And, and it has since The Force Awakens where uh, he's just been inspired by this darkness that um, he is related to. Uh, I think he's very much aware of like where he comes from and, and all that. I, I, I'm still, I still question whether or not he actually knows about the redemption of, of Anakin and uh, the redemption of Darth Vader. But, um, you know, that's yet to be told, I guess, or discussed in the new film. Uh, it's really uh, true, though. Exactly what he says, you know, like the 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 offspring of of people who can be so great can be uh, the most rebellious people in the world as well. So, uh, yeah, if you look at you know the the children of uh, pastors or something like that, like you know, there's so much pressure on them to be such a great person or such a great kid, such a perfect child, and yet uh, they are drawn to uh, you know the same temptations and evil that everyone else is on the planet and. Uh, a lot of that is uh, put in the spotlight because they have such a public uh, figure and a public face. And um, yeah, it's, you know, it, it happens. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's uh, nice that he actually brings that up for the people who haven't been able to see the purpose of that character yet. Is there a Bible somewhere with a George Lucas left behind uh, something? Oh, I thought you meant the actual Bible. No, like, not yeah, the actual. Well, there the Bible's Bible. a lot in this movie. Yeah. You know, they're all That's there. Everything sort of true. is everything's that actually, in there. That actually is true. Um, <laughs> it's everywhere. Th there was never, you know, a, uh, a a Bible that I saw that from George from the beginning. Yeah. Um, there was never a, a Bible that we wrote from the beginning. When, when Larry Kazan and I started working on Force Awakens, um, we had a lot of ideas and things we wanted to do in episode seven in that film that we just couldn't get to. We couldn't do the Luke training things with mm -hmm. Ray. There just wasn't time to do all that. And so we, we knew <clears throat> it would happen subsequently. Uh, the, the, even with George, you know, showing to all of us that when you have the better idea, you change it. Mm -hmm. Which he's done again and again in these subsequent releases of the films. But like, you know, Return of the Jedi was Revenge of the Jedi. I've got the poster, Revenge mm -hmm, yeah. of the Jedi. And he's like, nope, return now. You it's know? now it's return. And, and, and I think the lesson of, you know, you have the idea you think you're going to pursue, and then you have the better idea, and you go, well, if there's time, let's do that. Mm -hmm. So uh, in this story, I, I, you know, I always knew when we were doing episode seven, there were certain things that I, I felt for me, and I was never supposed to do this movie, I would need... No, you weren't to, doing I, it. Right. <laughs> I would need to see at the end of this trilogy, you know, at the end of these nine films, um, and then when Ka Kathy Kennedy called and said, will you come on, one of the attractions was, ooh, I get to actually do these things as opposed to just backseat. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. that, that, I, w I wish, I wish, you know. Here you are in this trilogy doing the first part and the third part, the last part, 
while Ryan Johnson comes mm -hmm. in and does the middle part, yeah. and he kills off a few people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's all the rage. Just, no, yeah, everybody's yeah. got to kill somebody. You gotta, you gotta or kill you haven't put your stamp. You've got to kill some people. Oh, they've yeah. got to go. I mean, I don't know. You might have wiped out everybody, you know, in Yeah, Isaac no one survives. No one survives. It's just you. And you come out and say, <laughs> oh my God. it's my fault. <laughs> No, no you know, I, I would. Yeah, text me. I'd, I'd if you have too. a problem, yeah, yeah, exactly. Here's the way it's gonna be. Here's Chris Terrio's email. <laughs> yeah, that he would love that. I'm sure they would all love yeah. that. But yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, I want. It's always one. It's been a wonder to me. Uh, it's been a question that I've wanted to ask JJ at any point in time if I ever get the chance. If he knew that he would be stepping in to do episode nine at the end of the day when Colin Trevorrow, you know, left the door. Uh, it makes me wonder if he would have just chosen to do all three uh, just to have that unified vision uh, because at least there would be a unified vision. Uh, what we've had so far has been a very ununified vision uh, between multiple writers, multi multiple directors. So, you know, it, it's uh, it's come and gone, uh, the pieces, you know, um, Colin Trevorrow coming and going. And uh, it's it, there's been a bit of drama with with the whole... Uh, construction of this trilogy and uh, it's very unlike what George Lucas would have done which is plan everything out from the start you did you feel that you when somebody else came in and did that middle section mm. that you know you had sort of lost the strings of well no I mean it, for, for a moment I felt like oh okay because you know we had talked about doing episode eight but the truth was I was beginning to direct episode seven and there was quite a bit to think about, and I didn't have the brain power or you know, uh, or the approval of my family to commit to oh, being away from. Oh, family too. And it was just one of those things where I, you know, it, all around, it was not the right thing to say. You know, at the beginning of, of episode seven, mm -hmm. let's talk about. Eight. You know, when I was a kid growing up, uh, whenever we would be in a meal, uh, it would be lunch. And my mom would always say, you know, okay, so for dinner, what do, what do we want to do for? And like we'd be like, mom, we're just. We just start like dinner, like you know, like she was always talking about the So it felt like that. Like I was like just starting seven. It was like I don't it was care like, about tomorrow. Kathy, I can't. How do I? Um, and then when Ryan came on and he started writing, and I was very interested to see what he was going to do. And we sat and had a, a, a meeting, and he obviously read the, the Force Awakens script, and then I read his script. And what what I loved about it was its subversive nature. I loved that it was about shock, it was about surprise, it was about, uh, there was a sort of meta take on the Jedi, there was a, it was, it was a very different approach than what I would have done, which is one of the reasons why it was fun to read. Mm -hmm. And I was and am a, a, a real fan of his as a director, so I just knew he was gonna do something extraordinary with it. And you know, I was immediately like, oh, jealous that he was doing the thing, because I just felt like, oh, it's so much fun that he gets to sort of continue the story with, with these characters. What I was ultimately, uh, in my selfish, you know, uh, myopia, my, I, was, I was thrilled that nothing was, was rendered undoable from all the things that happened in that movie. And in a weird way, where The Last Jedi ends, you know, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't fundamentally shift the paradigm. And so I found myself feeling like, oh, well, that story could still happen, you know, and I kind of went about my way. Mm -hmm. And then X number of, you know, years later, Kathy called and said, do you want to come back come and finish it? Yeah. It's very difficult in this whole franchise series mm -hmm. to claim ownership. 
Yeah, so it appears as if JJ is happy uh, with the way things stand uh, between uh, Ryan and uh, The Last Jedi and his two films that kind of bookend that film. But, uh, you know, here we really get to see see the the genuine um, appreciation for such a different movie than than what he would have made because as a director i mean you know he brought it up earlier when when he was talking about the fans and and the the critical fans and stuff um as a director uh we've obviously uh it's it's a form of art and uh uh an artist is never at the end of the day always happy with the result that they end up putting out and uh, it's been very apparent with george lucas going back and and retouching up his his works he put so much passion and heart into star wars and it really shows because he kept going back and refining and refining and refining and uh, we had the special editions we had the dvds the blue the blu-rays uh so on and so forth and uh, it's not to mess with the fans. It's it's because he loves what he does. He loves what he did, and he wants to try and make it the best that he could. Um, so yeah, we really get to see uh, JJ's appreciation for someone else's take on uh, on the franchise because that's in the end of the day what it's all about. Oh, except yeah. for George Lucas, yeah, because he came up with the idea. I, I, by the way, I would even argue it's beyond him. I would argue that, that Star Wars is not, it's bigger than all of us. I mean, even George, who of course is the only one who can really claim mm-hmm. ownership, like you say, but even George, in a way, I would guess, has to admit that this thing, Star Wars is bigger than anyone and, and, and any of us. And I just think it's, it's, it's the fans thing. But of course, it's, you know, it's George's creation. Well, you know, in Bob Iger's book, there's that thing he said, well, he was disappointed in The Force Awakens because it was too much like The New Hope. But to me, um, and I want to hear what you say about it. Mm. It's you were introducing <laughs> a new generation to the old generation. Yeah. So the connection there uh, is really strong. Sure. Today, that I don't feel in the prequels. But here's the thing: there are a number of things that we obviously intentionally uh, did in a kind of history repeats itself mold to say we are introducing this br- brand new cast of characters. This. Stormtrooper who runs from the, the, the First Order, this scavenger who is living literally in the wreckage mm-hmm. of the history of the movies that we know, and this hotshot pilot, we don't know his history, but he's joined the Resistance. To find Leia years later, sort of unable to give up the fight, because she can smell smoke from miles away. Where's Han, you know, at, at this point? What, what is he up to? It, the, the fun of asking where are these existing characters and revisiting some of the, uh, the themes and in some cases, some of the locations uh, from the original story. I don't really know what JJ is talking about here where uh, we've had uh, revisiting locations because uh, so far, I think that's one of the main complaints is that we haven't had any familiar locations. Uh, we've had uh, very similar environments. Uh, Jakku, very much like Tatooine. Uh, Starkiller base, very much uh, like uh, Hoth. Uh, although with the release of Jedi Fallen Order, it's apparent that uh, it is actually Ilum. Um, which is fantastic and a uh, round of applause for whoever is responsible for that decision, whether it be the story group or uh, Respawn Entertainment uh, or EA. I don't know who thought of the idea, but uh, brilliant on their part connecting those dots. 
But uh, yeah, no, talk with Donna again, uh, all new, all new locations. We haven't seen a single familiar location throughout the sequels. Uh, then I think most people would have liked. A lot of people love Rogue One, and and that does have a little cameo appearance of uh, Coruscant and uh, Mustafar, uh, locations we truly have seen before. It would have been awesome to have that in The Force Awakens. To me, it was part of doing this thing as a continuum, which is to say, it's not just about going to new lands and meeting new characters. It's it's about embracing what what's come before, so that the characters that you meet in Episode Seven. Imagine it, chapter seven of a book. It's, it's not about having entirely brand new, mm-hmm. you know, rebooted. It's a continuation of the, of the one story. So in that way, you know, and look, is there a big, giant, planet-sized weapon in, in Force Awakens? Yes. <laughs> and does it blow up? It does blow up. <laughs> uh, and so there are undeniable, you know, parallels. But in a way, because there had not been a Star Wars movie in a long time, the prequels were the ones that had preceded it, I very purposely wanted to sort of revisit the old in order to start and tell the new. And, mm-hmm. and that was the challenge. And again, for those who hate it, I could not respect your opinion more. And for those who love it, I question your sanity. Uh, <laughs> but I just- That's so sane, I, but you know? I'm, but I will I'm, save you years of therapy. But I'm just- uh, it, it, It's funny to me that JJ is uh, re- referring to the fans that hate The Force Awakens um, as people that he can sympathize with because it really begs the question of whether or not he was a part of the fans that uh, hated the prequels as well. Um, so, you know, for him to be able to sympathize, it it does it does beg the question. Like, okay, um, does he know how we feel because of the fact that he's felt this way before? Uh, I have no idea. So, uh, he does he has as, as uh, expressed his dislike for those films, but uh, it makes me wonder if his dislike uh, goes beyond how he described them to be as his uh, lesser favorites. <laughs> it felt right to us at the time, and, and, and as does this one now. Well, you just mentioned something, and I know I have to let you go soon, but the, um, the idea that there's a history. You work with a lot of the same people that mm. you work with yes. a lot because you basically have an ease and trust yes. with them to do it. It's, uh, it's fascinating to me that Carrie Russell is in mm. this movie. Yeah, she's great. I don't know what she plays specifically. Mm. Plays a character named Zori Bliss. Yeah, well, that explains everything. See? Yeah, so thank you for You're that. Welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for that. You're welcome. But that you is you. <laughs> yeah. All that information? I know. I don't need to know <laughs> anything else now. But except that she was the star of Felicity. She was. Which was the, almost in the beginning for you mm. when you were doing TV. Of course, you've done, you know, millions of other things, including that little thing called Lost. You know, Plus, yes. where we yeah. all have questions and we're doing it. Yes. But when you think back to those days mm-hmm. where you're doing Felicity, yes. which is the opposite of all of these mm. movies that you do now, mm. you know, do you ever miss that, the simplicity of it? Very much. It's funny. We, we have this show uh, that, that we're, we're doing, we're producing uh, for Apple called Little Voice that, that Sarah Bareilles and Jesse Nelson are doing. And uh, it's a young woman in New York. And it, watching dailies for that show so puts me in the, the mindset, very nostalgically, in a kind of wonderful way, of Felicity. Because it's, it's a romantic, sweet, young person's show uh, about people in the city. And, and it just is, you know, it, I really do miss that. Uh, because there was just something sort of wonderful and safe, and the group was so great. And I was doing it with Matt Reeves, one of my oldest friends. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing was just, was, just, was just wonderful. But working with Carrie on this, it's funny, there's a scene 
I didn't actually know that J.J. Abrams and Matt Reeves were uh, old friends. Uh, Matt Reeves is currently working on the Batman uh, movie for uh, 2021, I believe, and he did do uh, the later two films of the uh, the Apes trilogy. He did Dawn for the Planet of the Apes and War of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, I always forget the super long titles there. Uh, I believe he also did uh, something on Cloverfield. I think he was the director for that one. And uh, yeah, so he goes back uh, back in the past with AJ JJ <laughs> and uh, did some work with uh, Felicity. Between her character and, and Oscar's character. And uh, in this one moment, she, she says to him, she's got a whole crazy outfit on and mask and everything. And everything. But at one point she looks at him and she, and she just says, hey. Now, every scene in Felicity started with hey. Like literally, it wasn't like a written rule, but if you happen hey. to just, like literally, turn on any episode of Felicity, switch to any, and it, someone walks in and like, hey, literally, it's like 40 times per episode they say it. But it was just hearing her say hey, I was like, oh, it like broke my heart. Because it was it's exactly a Felicity thing. She's wonderful in the movie. All right, people, see, you look for that hey when you go in to do and that. And it's a good one, man. What, is there a Kelvin? Uh, it's funny you ask. Uh, Kelvin being your grandfather's My grandfather, name. yeah. Th there, was, there was Kelvin. We mentioned Kelvin in episode seven. Mm -hmm. So it felt like a, a hard thing to do again in this one. So we actually didn't overtly mention Kelvin in this movie. I'm disappointed. I am too. You now know, that you, now that you bring you it up. Should, you know, I think you should go I back. I should open the movie up again. It's <laughs> right. Just do it. Just tell I mean, them. I'm changing I mean, all the I'm going to call Bob. Prints. I need one, yeah. one more week of reshoots. <laughs> one more to do that. Can you imagine? Okay, well, speaking of the internet, we, we're going to take a minute to have a couple of questions from them. Oh, I'm sure that would be really nice. I, I'm hoping so. That hatred will come What up late. with your hair, Abrams? That will be. <laughs> what up? Okay. Jay Noyola, 98, says, is there going to be an epic kiss? In this movie, that's, that's a great a, question. That is great. Uh, oh, Jay Nola. <laughs> this reminds me of a question I got from Jay Nola '96 once, <laughs> really, which said, um, "Is it gonna be an epic kiss in this?" Uh, I will say, without saying kind of who it is, uh, that you do not leave this movie without experiencing a kiss. I don't think he's going to be following up the whole uh, Rose and Finn romance that was hinted at at the end of The Last Jedi. If you have read Resistance Reborn, it does point uh, to, which is a canon novel, by the way, it takes place after episode eight and kind of uh, leads into uh, the road to the Rise of Skywalker. And in that book, uh, it is established that uh, Finn and Rose uh, were a moment, and yet uh, they are just friends. So uh, I, I don't think you need to worry going into this movie. There's not going to be any uh, Rose Finn action going on. It's it's probably safe to say that uh, whatever this kiss happens, I don't know. I think maybe JJ will throw the fans a bone and give us the the Raylo that has been going around the internet uh, for a while now. But that could mean all sorts of things. It might be more than one. I don't know. I really think you've had CIA training. Let's go next one. <laughs> Let's go. Let's see what it is. Okay. Next one. Oh. Oh. Zago Rex. Oh, I can't do that. What are your favorite fan theories? Though, what, what have they ever <coughs> came up with that you actually wish you might have done? Um, there was one that, that said that, that Jar Jar Binks was Darth Sidious <laughs> or something, which I thought was like, I just thought that was... That's just That lovely. was fantastic. <laughs> no, right. I thought that was good. It would be great. Let's just go with that one. Well, you know, you, this is the first time you've been here, so I wish you would come all the time. I, you this, know, is because my, this is the most I've ever had. It would be great for you to come. <laughs> I, 
a year from now. Anytime you want. And we discuss everything. Let's do that. That it says, let's just do that. I would love to. Where everything, spoilers everywhere instead of spoilers It'd be my favorite thing. to do any of that. Happy to. But we always end in song. Okay. You are a musician. Well, that's very well, generous. Well, you are. You just wrote themes for all these TV shows. You've yeah. done it. But yeah. I'm going to ask you something, just as yeah. a personal favor to sure. me. Can you hum the original John Williams Star Wars theme for us and take us out with that? Come on. I, my life is made. This yours. Is it. This is yours. <laughs> this is the most wonderful Thank head. Alright, and that was uh, that was the interview, and you can catch that on ABC News or on YouTube with the uh, the Popcorn Channel. So yeah, uh, we actually didn't have any time to cover the Chris Terrio article, but I really want to at some point. It's it's done by Rolling Stone, and it was a great uh, a, a great in. It's called Inside the Writing of Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. So if you do have a chance, uh, check that out. Uh, otherwise, I will try my best to cover it on the show at a later point in time, so stay tuned for that. Well, we had a, a great chat, uh, just us today. Uh, thank you for joining me in uh, the Escape Pod and uh, for tuning in to the latest, uh, to the latest episode. Uh, we're on as many podcasting platforms as you can think of, as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google uh, Play Music, Google Podcasts, uh, you know, whatever. Stitcher, the list goes on. Uh, so please share this with your friends tweet out an episode that whichever one was your favorite uh, say hey check this out uh, give us those ratings those five stars uh, they really help boost up the show and make it visible to other people and that is exactly what keeps this alive so you know be sure to send it along and uh, you know the support is uh, so greatly appreciated and, uh, you know, if, if there's anything that you wanted to say that, uh, you know, we can address on the show at some point, uh, you can tweet us at uh, SW Podcast. Uh, that's our Twitter handle, so look for us there. And um, also we have an email, theescapepodoutlook.com. Uh, that's theescapepodoutlook.com. So shoot us your questions, comments, or feedback. If there's something that you heard on the show that uh, needs uh, some correcting or whatever, whatever it is, uh, we, you know, we don't have fact checkers or anything. Pretty small show. So, uh, yeah, just send those through. Nothing really else to talk about other than the fact that uh, we will see you this upcoming Wednesday is the Mandalorian Roundtable, so stay tuned for that the night before the fan screening at the Rise of Skywalker. So, yeah, thanks again for tuning in, and may the Force be with you.